Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the Association of Common Sense Masculinity is proud to present the exciting, the thought-provoking, can-am soup, an entertaining, genuine, and often meandering conversation between two friends. And now, the stars of our show, Jeremy Gertz and Todd Fuss. Hey, Todd, how's it going, buddy? Good, Jeremy. How about yourself? Good. You know, you'd, you'd think after, what, this is like 70-some podcasts we've done, we'd have the uh, the tech side of it figured out. <laughs> oh, man. It, it seems every time we record, it gets more difficult just to get a recording started, doesn't it? At least on my end, it sure is. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. But we're here. We're here. I'm not sure that early morning has anything to do with it. That's true. I'm only, uh, well, I'm one and a half coffees in, so yeah, that, that could have a lot to do with it, actually. So how's your week been? Uh, it's been one of them weeks, you know. One of them. I'm about sick of everybody saying, oh, stupid Canadian wildfires. <laughs> Are they blaming us? Canada, please <laughs> smoke New York out. Please. <laughs> That was pretty crazy, hey? Choke them to death. <laughs> We're trying. <laughs> I saw Casey Neistat did a video about like the smoke in New York City, and that's that's nuts. That's what we had for a couple days, a couple weeks ago. Do you guys get any smoke where you are? No. No. Too far south. Then I think we're behind the jet stream. Mm-hmm. Now, we could get some because of the jet stream, but I think because we're behind it, it keeps it north. Yeah. And those fires, do you know what part of Canada those are from? No. Me neither. You see how much I care. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think they're from, like, Ontario and Quebec, I think. Eh. Eh. I mean, are you really losing anything? If no. Quebec right. and Ontario burn? I'm just well, maple, all our maple syrup. I bet that's nice maple flavored smoke down there. Hey? Probably. Yeah. Hey, the uh, all the zombies will have maple smoked brain. That's right. But they're New Yorkers, so they'll be really tiny brains. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. No, it's crazy. We um. Yeah, we've had some, we haven't had since since that last bad round there. It's been pretty good here, and I think because they got a bunch of rain up north. I think that's, I think, I mean, yeah, shows how much I care. But from my inkling, I think the ones in Alberta are kind of a little more under control. I'm not sure, but they were pulling all the resources they could. One of the brothers in our lodge, he's a, a firefighter at the Calgary airport, and um. He was supposed to come to lodge meeting and then he got called out to like called up north there. And so basically they're like any municipality, any airport, any fire unit that has extra people, they were shipping them up there saying, listen, we need as many hands up here as we can get. It's crazy. But what else has been going on in your world? Oh, dead vehicle batteries. Oh, no. Uh, working on small engines. Uh, lawn maintenance. Uh, oh, yeah. 
oh, yeah, a tree fell down again. Well, another tree. No, that stinks. What kind of tree? I don't know. Dead. Dead tree. <laughs> um, God. And it's right behind the shop, next to and behind. It's not a little tree. Oh, dear. Got that sucker up for firewood? Uh, it might be too punky, but we'll see. Mm, yeah. Uh, I've had, I mean, it's not hurting anything sitting where it is, and I've had other things, you know, like dead batteries and stuff mm. going on. It, just batteries because it's it just older. It shouldn't have been, but yeah, you know, they, yeah, yeah. It was in my Tacoma, and uh, yeah. It was about time, I guess. Yeah. That's the second battery I've put in it, and it's, ah, it's 14 years old, so. Hmm. Uh, Not the battery, the truck. Yeah, yeah. That's not too bad, I guess, then. Yeah, you know, the extreme heat and extreme cold, those, the batteries don't like either of those. Like, like here we go through batteries, like if we get a spell where it's like minus 30 or colder. Man, it's amazing. I just kind of wait. Okay, at least one of our vehicles' battery is going to just die. They just, like, freeze. And sometimes they actually expand and crack. And um, I remember my dad used to always put, like, battery warmers around the batteries. And yep. then if you plug your vehicle in at night, it keeps the battery warm, too. It's probably a good idea, but I don't don't think people do that much anymore. But And then also extreme heat. Like, I remember in working in California and Fresno and stuff, it would be, like, 100 and... 1520 degrees and batteries would go and you go get new it's like oh yeah it's this heat just kills batteries when they get these heat waves everybody's coming in for new batteries <sighs> poor tesla people are gonna have a hard time hey <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah right on but you know i don't have any sympathy no no, yeah, we've, uh, I don't know, I've just had a, June is busy for us, and it's just like busy doing stuff, like nothing overly exciting has happened. Well, we got two lambs this week, I guess, little baby sheep. We wanted a, a project for Foster for the summer, something to keep him busy, you know, so we thought he, they're a, we got him when they were a week old, and they're, he's bottle feeding them right now. And the guy we got him from, he's has a big sheep farm, but the mom of these two, had mastitis so she wasn't get they weren't getting enough milk so he's bottle feeding them but he said oh with getting hay ready and stuff like that he says i don't have time to bottle feed so he's just just looking to sell them pretty cheap so they're pretty cute man (laughs) and they're kind of sheep that are raised for their meat so they're not like wool sheep and apparently like i've been talking to people lately about goat meat and sheep meat and you know if you get the wool sheep it's the lanolin that's in their wool that it actually flavors the meat and that's why a lot of times people don't like sheep but they say if you get actual meat sheep or like they have hair sheep that don't have wool it's actually like a hair they say that meat tastes way better so so hopefully i don't know i think we might butcher these or just we're not going to keep them for the winter it's just going to be like you know bottle feed them and then grow them over the over the summer and then get rid of them in the fall but they're pretty cute I like sheep compared to other animals like goats, even baby goats. They're just rambunctious, you know, but these little sheep, they're like little puppies. Like <laughs> the kids are sitting on their lap. Like they're, I don't know how big they're, they're the size of a, maybe as tall as a medium sized dog right now, 
but they'll like sit on the on the back porch or something and these sheep just like snuggle into them and fall asleep right on their lap they're so like they're they're like they're very cuddly animals it's actually pretty cute we've never had like baby sheep before we bought in big sheep but little lambs are kind of cool but yeah and then uh like music concerts we have another one tonight and then uh this sunday we're having like 22 kids over here there's a a group they call the legacy group and it's kind of like youth and it's like a leadership role and they help set up with different events for like the grade five six and stuff and so this is like they're gonna have a retreat slash barbecue out here on sunday so uh, my buddy's bringing his brisket and his famous sauce that he makes oh man i'm so looking forward to it it's gonna be fun but yeah, and then uh, I'm just, it's it's so busy with extracurriculars. Like it seems like several times a week in the evening, it's like, oh, we got to run here. We got we got to run there. We got to run here. And and then like the 13th is Steph's birthday. The 15th is Foster's birthday. The 16th is our anniversary. And then the 20, oh, I should know this. 28th is Ava's birthday. So June is just like, oh man, busy, busy. But what do you do, hey? Just get through it. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, but some exciting news. Um, my dad is making some pretty good progress at clearing out the back of the shop. So that'll be nice. Um, and they spent two full days here pretty much this week. And uh, it's funny because all this stuff is like just, stuff they've had for 20 years and he's like what do you do with this stuff and I think my dad he's he's got a little hoarder mentality and I think it's from when he grew up right like when you grew up really poor um you know every little thing you have it it was hard to come by and you value it and I I look at some of the stuff that he's saving I'm like oh no like big huge um like a chain hoist right he's got this really big one and you know they're kind of round shaped this thing's probably about I would say like 18 inches, 20 inches in diameter. And I don't know how many tons it's rated for, but it has been sitting in a box for about 20 years. And I'm like, and he's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to save that. I'm like, dad, <laughs> you haven't used it for 20 years. Oh, but it's a good, perfectly good. I'm like, yes, it is. I agree. But are you going to use it? That's the question, you know? And then of course he's, he's busy. So he doesn't ever, there's no option in his mind just to sell it on the local classified. You know what I mean? So his either I have to keep it or I have to throw it to the dump. And that's how he is with everything. And I'm like, why don't you just save what you want and everything else, just leave it here. Like I can put this stuff up on Facebook Marketplace free for pickup and it'll be gone today. And somebody will use it, you know, but uh, it's, uh, he's like, I just can't believe how much useless junk we have. I'm like, that's, it's amazing how it adds up over years and years, you know. Like they've lived at this place and, and a lot of this stuff has been here since 94. And yeah, it's crazy, but. So that'll be cool. I think uh, within a week or so, that whole back of the shop should be emptied. And then I can start building out a, a wood shop in there, which I'm super looking forward to. Yeah, then you can uh, be even more. Uh efficient Mm -hmm. and I was was thinking about this morning I think what I'm going to do 
I have a layout in my mind and then like obviously all the tools I have now, all my drum sanders and everything I have is on wheels, which is kind of nice. So I can play with things, move things around. And once I figure out a, a way that I like it, a good workflow, I think I'm going to run, I'm going to go as far as to drop power from the ceiling to every single tool. And that way, like when I'm processing these signs, I've got carts that I stack them on, I wheel them from one place to another. And that way there won't be any cables on the ground. And I'm thing I'm looking forward to is where it is in the back of the shop. I should, my thinking is like, I'll only have to sweep up once a week. Whereas now, I mean, it's in the front of the shop. And so I, you know, if I'm planning a bunch of boards, put the planer away, sweep the floor. In other words, I'm tracking it into every single nook and cranny in that shop. And I'm kind of like, I'm hoping I don't have a lot of experience with like a wood shop, but I'm hoping that stuff will kind of just stay there and it won't track through the rest of the shop so bad. Do you have any experience with that? Oh, it gets everywhere. Does it? Everywhere. Yeah. I wish they made some type of a mat, like like a brush, like short brush mats that you could put around your woodworking area. And then when you walk out, you just scrape your feet on them. But. Oh, it doesn't matter. It's so, it's so light. Yeah. It just floats everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's why those, well, one of the reasons those um, air cleaners that you just hang from the ceiling, their box, air, you, get, you had one, didn't you? Mm-hmm, I did, yeah. That's why they're so popular. Yeah, and they fill up quick. I, I wasn't expecting to go through filters as often as I did, but if you want to, if you want that thing to work properly, like... Man, it's amazing how much they actually pull out. They're they're quite efficient. I wonder if I should get some of those in there. Might be handy. And then the other thing too is I could just close the door. Like we've got the big overhead door that separates the two. That would probably help keep all the dust in the back of the shop. At least most of it. Yeah. And Because the back of the shop has one heater. It's just a blower. But it, it keeps it warm enough in the winter. You know, it's funny, it all depends on what you're doing, you know, like sometimes if I'm doing real finesse stuff and it's cool in the shop, like I I feel cold and I put a sweater on and then later that day I'll be like, you know, processing boards and I'm moving all the time and it's like, man, this shop is so hot. (laughs) It's like, it's kind of, it all depends on what you're doing and the temperature you want to be working in. But, oh, always something to do, hey? Always. Yeah. Uh, my dad, he put, uh, he bought one of those electric tankless water heaters for his hangar out at Mabel Lake and he doesn't have enough power to run it. Like he needs, you need two 20 amp breakers and he doesn't have that in his hangar. And so he brought it back. He's like, Hey, you want this? It's brand new. I'm like, yeah, sure. That'd be great. And uh, I haven't put it up yet, but it'll, it'll be nice. Cause I haven't had hot water out in the shop. I like don't really need it, but and I thought for the, for the amount that I actually use it, sometimes it's nice to have hot water if you're cleaning something. Or, But I figured the tankless is probably the way to go. That way I'm not paying for heating stuff that I'm not using all the time, you know? Yeah, they need to be more popular than they are. Yeah. Yeah, they're slick little units. Like this is, a, it's a Wren, I think. I know it's a, it was like over grand, over $1,000 tankless water heater, but they're so cool. Like they're lightweight. Just pop them up on the wall wherever you can. You know, you run your power, run your pecs, boom, done. And uh, apparently they work pretty good. So yeah, I'm excited all about that. the way back to the 80s, 
I uh, installed one for my boss, and everything was so easy. Um, <clears throat> and the guy we bought it from uh, could arrange. I mean, he owned the business, but he wasn't the the, the most um, upright, you know, upstanding person in the world. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what is um, – I don't know how he made any money on it because they're his. He owned the business, distributing them, but he would arrange some to fall off the back of the truck kind of thing. I don't know. but <laughs> That's weird. I installed like a dozen of them for people yeah. for that guy. I mean, it took you know, like an hour or two yeah. tops back then. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, they make gas ones too, like on-demand gas heaters. Yeah, that's what the ones I were, I was uh, natural gas. Those are the ones I was installing. Yeah. I had a friend who was a plumber, um, and uh, he used to install, they made ones that went under your sink, and they were a small one, and it had its own separate faucet. Like if you really uh, drink a lot of tea or a lot of hot beverages, and they're pretty cool. It had a filter first, and then it went through this little, and it was small. It looked like the size of a lunch pail. And you could uh, really precisely set the temperature that you wanted. And man, but it had a little reservoir too. So it, it wasn't just heating as it flowed through it. It actually heated this little reservoir, but his wife really drank a lot of tea, I guess. So he put that in. It was kind of cool. Like you just turn it on and instantly it's like hot water, pretty much boiling water if you wanted it. But he said it takes a, you're always heating it, so it's one of those ones where it, he said it, you got to think it adds a little bit of cost to your monthly bill, but all the things. I think I need to get a new another belt grinder too. Once I set up, because I I use my two by seventy two to um, sand the ends of the boards after I cut them. And I'd like to have it so that I'm not bringing anything into the front of the shop. Right now, I wheel a little cart into my grinding room there. And, you know, when we're busy, busy, it's fine. But it'd be nice to have another one out there. And then I probably want, I'm going to get another dust collector for out there, too. That way, that way I can do signs and then I can jump to do knives and I don't have to move any equipment. It's just like, no, boom, go to work, go to work. I think it'll be slick. Oh, yeah. So you guys got any summer travel plans? Uh, no. We, I wanted to go someplace, but uh, she started her new job in November. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Then our dog sitters are, you know, down. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. And I don't care what anybody says. I I don't trust strangers, so. For looking after your dog? Anything. Yeah. Uh, I, I just don't. And then, yeah. my God, uh, I was just reading a, uh, it, it's done and over with, so it's more than a news story, but it's less than like a book. Um, but it, about a, I don't know, 18 page, like 
extended magazine kind of news story about a woman that felt that, you know, she was entitled to things like vacations. And she was a single mom of two kids. Uh, contacted some people via, you know, like Craigslist or Facebook or something and got a babysitter or child sitter and like met the person once, left her kids with them for two weeks while she went on vacation, came back, no kids. Wow. They're gone. And then they found them uh, a little over 13 months later. And they had been dead for 13 months. Really? Yeah. Oh, man, that is tragic. Yeah. It, uh... And I don't understand, after reading the whole story, and I don't understand how the mother wasn't prosecuted. Yeah. Like, that's that's insane. Now, she didn't kill the kids, obviously. She didn't torture them, whatever happens to the kids. She didn't do that. But she was negligent as a parent. No, absolutely. I don't care what anybody says. That's negligence. Mm-hmm. Oh, hi. Your name's Bob? Yeah, can you watch my kids? That's crazy. And had the woman done any kind of, I don't know, just Googled the woman's name that she had hired, it came up as somebody who's got a huge history of child abuse. Wow. Ah, those poor kids, hey? Yeah. Hmm. That's nuts. Uh, speaking of that, I got to go <laughs> pick up my police background check today. The Because uh, I, I volunteer at the church. I, I think it's every three years they have to have it done. And so mine had, I guess, had come up for renewal. So last Friday I dropped it off and they said I just... They don't, they say, oh, just come back on Friday and pick it up. I said, do you call me or anything? Like, nope, it'll be here on Friday. Just come get it. So I think I'll ride the old motorcycle to get that. I bought a uh, new chain and sprockets for my bike. I need to put those on. And the guy I bought it from, he, the DR stock is kind of geared for highway. And the guy that I bought it from, he did a lot of back roads in BC uh, gravel touring and stuff like that and like logging roads so he he went one gear smaller in the front and left the stock in the back but i was looking at my they're not bad i could probably get like maybe i don't know maybe another thousand kilometers off them but you can tell they're visibly getting worn right and and once you can see that shark tooth starting i'm like there's no sense like what am i gonna do just try and get a couple couple more kilometers out of them and then you know find myself on the side of the road <laughs> but um I went back to stock gearing, so he had a 14 tooth in the front, and I'm putting a 15, and so that would be back to stock, and I was, I was doing the calculations, and when you change one single tooth on the front, man, does that make a difference. Like, I was doing it, and basically, the, when I'm doing 100 kilometers an hour, which is about 55 miles an hour, um, what, with, the, with the new sprocket I put on, that engine RPM will be equivalent of 110 kilometers an hour. And I think it's going to be a lot better because my bike at 100, it's really happy. 103, 104, it's happy. When I do 110, 115, you can tell like it's, it, it vibrates more. The, the mirrors become blurry and I'm like, I don't know. 
I don't do enough like technical trail riding to for it to be worth having like a geared down bike. So I think it'll be pretty slick. And then some guys will even go with 16 in the front, like set it up for highway gearing. But then, I mean, I don't, it's not like I'm just cruising on the highway all the time. Like I like the back roads and I don't know. It'll be nice. It's all a compromise. Yeah. Yeah. You can buy wide range transmissions for those things. Like there's a company in the U.S. called ProCycle, and they one of their uh, one of their niches is the DR, and you can they sell a couple different stages, and you can get them so that the like the first two gears are lower in the transmission than stock, and then I think usually the middle one's about the same, and then the fourth and fifth are geared higher. And some people say that's just a huge, because in trail riding, you're never coming out a third anyways, right? And you say way more low end uh, torque. It just, a lot of guys say you can just, just idle. You don't have to give it throttle and you can let out the clutch and it'll just chug away. And that's nice, except they're like three grand for these transmission kits. And then you have to do it yourself. And I, I, I don't know, like I like fixing stuff, but the idea of cracking the cases and like putting in the whole new transmission on my motorbike i don't know about that man i just i've looked at pictures and videos of guys doing it and there are so many parts i'm like oh that would make me super nervous but it would be kind of cool you ever done any like deep work on a motorbike yeah back around 2007 2008 i'm doing a lot was it a Harley? Um, different kinds. Uh, one of the guys that I worked on motorcycles for, he had a, like old uh, Enduros, mm-hmm. and he he just loved keeping them things on, on the trail. He's like, yeah, I know there's you know might be better bikes now, but these are just fun. Mm-hmm. Okay, your neck. I mean, uh, sure. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Enduros are great, but. He he had uh, a couple specialty aftermarket transmissions that he wanted built, hmm. rebuilt. I mean, and I'm like, you know, him and honk. I don't really want to do it, but you know, he, he was a uh, a friend from the motorcycle club, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. And then I did, you know, some reading up on it, and then found out they they had a really cool jig to help you you know do it yeah and uh you could rent them you uh call them up or get on their website and rent it they send it right to you you finish with it you send it back Um, that's a good idea yeah and uh i would uh i never told him about the jig i would just oh man this sucks you know all these parts and pieces and blah 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 and then he gave me a really big tip on the first one. Yeah. And then uh, he's like, man, I really hate to ask, but uh, can you do it again? And you just throw your hat down. Oh, you son of a, I don't yeah. want to do this ever again. And meanwhile, you're smiling on the inside. Yeah. And then, yeah, sure. Well, you know, and this is like on a Wednesday. It's like, you know, I was thinking about riding it this weekend. Hmm. <laughs> <sighs> and you have a job. You know, this is your uh, hobby. Yeah, and then you're like, all right, you know, drop it by. Well, it's in the truck now, asshole. Um, and then you um, put it together for him by Friday morning. 
And then you're telling him, oh, I don't know if I'm going to have this thing done. So are they really like, uh, are they intimidating? Like when I look at that, I think like, oh man, that is, very, that is next level. Yeah. Very. But most of the, you know, you have either manuals or books or instructions and they're very detailed if they're mm. good. I've seen some Chinesium kits that aren't, but I wouldn't use them personally. Yeah. But a lot of the, you know, really reputable brands come with uh, really good. And then what you find out, though, is um, if you understand the mechanics of how it works, there's only one way for all those pieces to go together and then work, you know. So mm-hmm. you, you got it in your mind. And for some reason, I, when it comes to mechanical stuff, more so when I was younger than now, because I haven't done it in a while, but I used to be able to imagine the parts break down hmm. in my head. You know, you could almost see a picture mm-hmm. of, of the parts break down and then put it together that way. That's cool. And I had worked on jet engines, and, yeah, you talk about, you know, millions of little tiny pieces yeah, and big pieces. You're like, <laughs> motorcycle transmission? Nah. <laughs> That's true. That's, a, yeah. Bring your okay. Bronze Age machine over here. Yeah. yeah. It's all perspective. That's, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Hmm. Yeah, I think if I if I lived in a place where I did a lot more trail riding, I'd I'd seriously consider doing that transmission swap. But I don't know. Ninety nine percent of my riding is done at at a decent speed, and I'm not constantly shifting. You know. But yeah, that motorbike is so fun. I've been getting out on it quite a bit lately. You know, this is a time of year, like, because it's, you know, a few sales a day with the the signs and stuff. And then, um, so it's like, oh, yeah, once or twice a week, I just take a load of signs on the back of the bike. And, oh, it's fun. I picked up a new tire for Isaiah's bike, his rear tire. He bought a KLR. And um, his back tires, it's like threads, actually, down the center. And. He's like, can we go riding? I was like, honestly, I do not think that thing would be safe to take up to highway speed. I said, you can if you want to, but we get going. If you blow a tire, I said that that could be a pretty serious wreck. And, the, you know, that'd be your first time riding this bike. So I got a new tire for him. I hauled that back on my bike. And then we got to swap it out. I think Princess Auto now makes a motorcycle tire changing tool. And it's on sale. It's, it's kind of, it's got like a bead breaker reliever in it there and a couple other things. So I don't know. I've, I've changed tires quite a bit without them, but it also is nice because you can clamp it down and I think I might go pick one of those up. But yeah, he's excited. I'm like, I gotta get this done. It's just so busy. Like, well, last night he had guitar and then the night before they have youth and then tonight he's helping out with a 5-6 event and it's like, Man, we gotta get a night because I don't want to just do it, right? I'm like, this is your bike. I'm gonna show you how to change your tire, and we'll balance it. And I picked up the little weights that with the sticky back on, so he can balance his wheel. And but it's just, man, things are so busy. Getting uh, you gotta get the riding in when you can because our season is like <laughs> you look at it like, man, it's 
probably like a third gone, you know? Yeah. But I would like to next year, I'd like to ride my motorbike down to Blade Show. I think that'd be kind of fun. The only thing I don't know if I would love is is having a motorbike in Atlanta. I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know what the parking's like there. I don't know. But. Well, I wouldn't recommend it, but. No. I've done, back in the, you know, 20 years ago, Atlanta was bad enough. I wouldn't ride in it. And now it's just got to be worse. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's the thing, you know, on a motorbike, like, you are completely exposed and, and you ride through a shady part of town or something like that. It's like anybody could just come up and grab you or push you off your motorbike. Like in a car, at least you got doors that are locked and you can roll up the windows and there's a certain level of, of a barrier there. But on a motorbike, you got nothing, you know. Just ride your bike here and then we can take the truck from here. There we go. That's a plan. I bet there's some gorgeous riding in Tennessee, man. Hey? Probably. Oh. Oh, you see some of these ads in the motorbike magazines, like, just like, oh, man, just these lanes and there's just beautiful vegetation and, oh, that'd be fun. The best riding I ever did was in Colorado in the fall. Like, we rode from Eagle up to Steamboat Springs you know, cruised around and oh, some of these back roads, Steph didn't like some of them because she hates cliffs, right? Like you're driving in the mountains and there's like the guardrail and then a big drop. She doesn't do well with that at all. And when we went to Steamboat Springs, it was a ton. And she said she was just like petrified the whole time. She hated that. And so we took a, a different route back home or back to our hotel. And it was about three times longer, but it was just amazing. Like not not nearly as steep and it was a much more gradual descent and oh it's just like twisties and you just you look and it's like orange yellow uh leaves red leaves and just back and forth back and forth oh it was such an amazing ride i remember doing that i was like i don't know if i'll ever ride something this amazing in my life but that'd be fun yep you heard any uh hear anything about blade show this year from anybody you know uh, no like not direct reports i mean obviously watching everything on instagram but i haven't had anybody uh say anything i haven't really asked anybody about anything either have you no yeah a couple of things i saw i'm like well well that doesn't look interesting at all you know but, oh really yeah it not important, but hmm. one of the guys I follow on Instagram, he won best kitchen knife of the show. So that was cool. Did you see, uh, speaking of kitchen knives, this is one of the things I wanted to ask you on today's show. Did you see, um, Slavic Telly's kitchen knife that he made for his daughter's yeah, graduation? I did. I love that design. Yeah, very simple. Yep. Yeah. No, do you watch the video? No. I haven't okay, watched I it yet. I mean, it's, you know, I haven't watched He's, it yet. Yeah. Um, It's funny. He's He's got, his videos are so chill. Like, throughout the video, I, I think it looks like there's some doves that had a nest, and then these little chicks were hatching and growing, and... 
because he's not a full-time knife maker, you know, this knife probably was over the course of several weeks and he kept showing little updates throughout the video of these little birds. Um, and then this one point he was like doing some hand sanding and you can see like a bowl of noodles beside him. And then I was saying, he goes, this video is sponsored by my wife's cooking. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're talking Russian and stuff like that. But you know, what's funny is that he, he and I used to chat all the time on uh, DM on Instagram and he goes to a Baptist church in, in California. And when I posted that I was going for, for being a Mason, when I did my first degree, I got a, like, they gave me a little pin for our lodge. And he's like, what, you're becoming a Mason? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, at our church, you're not allowed to be a member of the church if you're a Mason. I said, yeah. I said, there's a lot of people that have um, misunderstandings about Freemasonry. And he goes, but isn't it bad? I said, there's absolutely nothing bad about it like it's it's a good thing and you, you know like it doesn't contradict christianity in any way shape or form if anything it just it's lessons from the old testament you know it's all based on the bible and he goes oh but ever since that he hasn't sent me a single message like he just stopped talking to me <laughs> yeah it happens and unfortunately you know people are The, the, the thing that are uh, trying to find an easy, not like harsh, that. not overly harsh. You know, they're just wrong, I guess. Um, yeah. And they don't want to be right. Not about this. Um, I watched a stupid video. Well, I I did not watch it. I started, tried my best to watch it, but I just couldn't. Um, the truth about Freemasonry. <laughs> I got about... I don't know, 37 seconds in and then, well, nothing truth about here yet, you know? Yeah. And Are then, you a Freemason? Uh, oh, then you don't know the truth about it because there's only one way to know the truth about it. <laughs> well, and then the, 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 well, the individual that's caused the most problems in modern time was a Freemason. And then he's just pulled out a bunch of hurtful, harmful BS about what it is. And hmm. it has caused all kinds of, I mean, we're told a little bit about it because as a cautionary tale um, on, you know, what, what you share on social media about being yeah. a Freemason. Uh, and it's not, oh, you should never do that. You know, we're secret and yeah, we're not, but um the problem with one-way communication is how it's received. You have no control over. You have no control over the context. While mm -hmm. whereas, you have more control over context if you meet someone face to face and talk with them. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just Natural a cautionary tale. But anyway, yeah. And what they believe from having an investigation was that, um, that guy he. Uh, he was unhappy with what he perceived as politics mm -hmm. within the lodge, um, where he he was self-important in his personal and professional life, mm -hmm. and he goes becomes a mason, and he's in there for you know however many years he was in it, and he just couldn't find a way to move up in the lodge. Mm. You know, he wanted that um, that hat, and people were like. 
yeah, you know, we don't think you're, you know, worthy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you know, and, you know, what it boiled down to is you're just a self-important douche. Hmm. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So he goes out and makes videos and writes books about lies. Hmm. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you know the weird, I think, I think the fact that you can't know what Freemasonry actually is until you become one just drives people nuts. You know, like, it's secrets in general. Like if, if you've got a secret, it's like, it drives you nuts. People are like, oh, I got to know, I got to know. It's like, well, if you want to know, join a lodge, you know? No, but I don't want to. And, it's, and you know, there's a secrets that intrigued me like crazy, but I had to make sure I, like I, luckily I knew people who are Masons, um, a lot of Steph's family and stuff. And Ross, you know, Steph's uncle, great uncle, lives right down the road from me. Like we live on the same road. He's about three kilometers down. And I remember telling him I wanted to, he goes, I'll do it. And I said, okay, here's the thing. I'm a Christian. You know, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. And I attend church every Sunday. Is it going to um, go against any of that? He says, absolutely not. He said, there's nothing in there that would cause any issues with Christianity. And it, and it's absolutely true, you know. And then even when you learn the secret, it's like, but why is this a secret? You know, and it's, um, it's not arbitrary. Like, it's not willy-nilly. Like, it's very intentional, and, and there's a lot of logic to it. You know, it's not like you just said, okay, you know what, I'm going to come up with some secrets, and I'm going to make up this secret handshake and blah, 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 blah. It's not like that at all. And it, it's all, like, from history, right? Um, you know, like, operative masons that, that built the temple and the, the castles and all these things, you know, they didn't have trade certificates. Like I couldn't say, here's my dream in Red Seal Millwright in Alberta. This this says I'm proficient to this level. And so then they would, once you worked for someone and there was a master mason, you got to a certain level, he'd be like, okay, you know what? I'm going to show you this handshake and I'm going to give you some secrets. That way when you travel to this next town and you apply for a job and they say, well, what level are you? You can go into the room and prove that you have uh, been communicated this. And that says, yes, you are at this level in masonry. And, and then since we're speculative Masons, right. Um, a lot of those are just passed down and it's just like, okay, once you reach this level, then you're going to know this. And that's how you can identify. That's how you can show who you are in other lodges. And rather than having to have some, you know, a paper thing that, that could be, you know, copied or, or forfeited, you know what I mean? Like counterfeited, um, and it's just like, and it's, it's just lessons in morality, you know, based on, on tools and, and doing work and applying those lessons to our lives. And that's what Freemasonry is. You know, a lot of people say it, it makes good men better. And that's exactly how I see it. You know, it's not going to save your soul. It's, it's not going to, it's, I can't believe some people are just, they go so extreme, like, oh, Freemasonry is evil. I'm like, what? No, there's nothing bad about Freemasonry whatsoever. It's just good, good stuff. Like, I honestly think the world would be better if more men were Freemasons. Like, the full stop, you know? Yes. And it's, and it's edifying. I'll even leave out the uh, 
expanded Masonic universe, like uh, Shriners and things like that. I'll leave that out. Just stick with Blue Lodge and just say, yeah, this is how evil Masons are. They teach morality and they take care of each other. And then when they die, they take care of their uh, widows and orphans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that- just horrible. Jeez. And then, and also they, they give away stuff like, you know, like uh, when I w- had my first interview, when I was looking to, I was interested in Freemasonry and some of the gentlemen from the lodge met me and I'm going to say this was probably 15 years ago, 10 to 15 years ago. And I said, oh yeah, you know, I, I was a member of the Lions Club in the town I used to live in. And he said, okay, first of all, I said, don't put those two side by side because they're different. He said, the Lions Club get together and, you know, they, they do fundraising, they do things for communities, and they're very, very public about all that. He said, Freemasonry, the, our primary, we're fraternity, and first and foremost, we help each other become better and we look after each other. And he said, but, I said, Freemasons do a lot of giving, but we do it very quietly. Like, we don't advertise it, it like educational grants in Alberta. Um, there's only one grant and it's from the province um, that gives away more uh, post-secondary grants to students than Freemasons, than the Alberta Freemasons. And the guy who started that grant was a Freemason, but it's all government stuff, right? But, and the cool thing is like for the, um, for the grants that the Freemasons do in Alberta, it's not based on your education or your performance in school. It's based on need. So, you know, a lot of times you apply for scholarships and it's like, oh yeah, this is your grades, you're 98 plus. Okay, yeah, you qualify for the scholarship. Well, in Freemasonry, the, the ones that the Alberta Freemasons give, it's like, no, you know, if, you, if you're uh, an 80% student and you really are excited about what you're doing and you want to go into post-secondary, could be anything, you know, and you just don't have the the funds, then apply. And we'll look at it and be like, yeah, you know what? This person that they'll interview and say, yeah, this person actually wants to go ahead and take this career path, but money is keeping him. And that would qualify you. You know, it's not based on your grades. It's based on the need. And I think that's really interesting, you know, because there's, you know, who's to say, like, there's guy, people that don't do that well in school that do really good in the in the real world. You know, once they get a trade or something, it's like, wow, this person is phenomenally successful. They work hard. They're passionate about what they do. They do their job well. And it's like, you know, maybe he didn't have the money to go to a school and that, that held him back, you know. So it's it's totally different. But, yeah, it's like, you're right. Freemasons are evil, <laughs> you know. They teach each other how to live better lives and help, help people out around them. Here's another and, example. Just horrible people. Um, around here, you just you get a bunch of brothers that show up at an event. You know, we have a lot of uh, outdoor uh, music during the summer. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, so your local musicians that, you know, they're not in a band or anything, but they're musicians, they have jobs. They get together one night a week in a public place like the farmer's market, and they play. But it's mm-hmm. summer, you know, so it's just brutal. So we just show up, no regalia, no one knows who we are, unless they ask. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're not saying, oh, here's some free ice cold water from Masonic Lodge 751. No, we don't do that. It's just, here's some water. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see somebody just like, um, 
and they have food trucks that show up, and you see somebody not eating, you know, you go grab a hamburger. Here, hey, have a hamburger. Bye. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And if somebody says, "Oh wow, who are you? Why are you being so nice?" Eh, we're just brother from the lot, be nice, and then move along. Mm-hmm. You know exactly. It's, um, you know, it's things like that all the time. Um, right before the, you know, in the right about the time I, I, you know, got my first degree last year, um, September October we have, um, any school age child from birth to graduating high school, they need winter clothes. So we'll just have, you know, a bunch of brothers and their families just go buy, you know, brand new tag still on it, clothing, and just um, a representative from the lodge will gather it up and they'll go and give it to uh, like social services to Mm -hmm. hand out. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll even help them hand it out. It's just we don't want it known right up front we're doing it. Mm-hmm. That's all, you know. Yeah. Um, just all kinds of things like that. Just example after example after example. Yeah. Well, it's exactly. And like it was explained to me, like like by the master of our lodge, he said, you know, what? we do give a lot, but we don't want people to know. Now, obviously, when we we give, like, we do, like, a fundraiser thing, like, just internally, and all the money raised will go, often they'll ask local churches and be like, do you know any families that are genuinely struggling, you know, that that you as a church have helped out or aren't able to help out, and they'll say, yeah, you know what, this one family here, they moved from Ukraine, Um, the dad has a job, they're renting this place. But they're really tight, you know, they're, they're a nice family, but they don't have any extra money. And then we'll be like, okay, thanks. And then we'll go either just buy them like a whole bunch of groceries and then presents for their kids. And they, they don't, they'll do things so that, you know, document the receipts because it's a nonprofit and you, you know, you don't give money. You have to have it documented who it came from, but we won't tell them that we're Masons. We're like, you know what, we're just a group of guys here and and we just figured we heard you guys could use some help and so we you know we kind of got together pooled some money and you know we just hope this would make your Christmas a little bit better and you know they start crying and stuff and they have no clue that that it was the Strathmore Masonic Lodge that did that whole thing but it doesn't matter right like when you give I'm convinced that when you give you're more blessed as the giver you know and it's a two-way thing The, the person receiving it obviously is incredibly grateful and they've been blessed like crazy but there's something for you, like something in your heart is just like, man, that is incredible. And you gain so much from it. And so, yeah, it's just, it's cool like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, and we do a lot of, or any kind of our public charity work is just pass through. Like you have, uh, what I mean by that is um, you find, you know, the charity that you're going to be giving to, and you set up an event for the public to come give you money to give to the charity, you know, like a pancake breakfast or, you know, a chili cook-off or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then there, yeah, this is, you know, a Masonic event. but mm-hmm. And it's in our chart or state constitution that when we do things like that, it's only passed through. We don't keep a dime. Uh, mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah. Yeah, we don't fundraise for ourselves except the um, Shriners Hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a big thing. Like, Shriners Hospitals, I mean, that's crazy. Do you think you ever want to go to other different degrees, like Shriners or something like that? I'm going to um, do my... If I can get one thing done, if I can nail my teacher's feet to the floor this summer and get one thing done, then this fall during the Scottish Rite reunion, I'd like to go Scottish Rite. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool. And we'll see from there, you know. Do I want to be a Shriner one day? Maybe. There's some... I don't want to say issues because they're not any issues. Just, I don't know. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a joke in some of the lodges around here that, you know, hey, you're a Shriner? Oh, no, no, no. Can't be one of those party boys. <laughs> it's a joke. You're a bunch of old men. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, no, it's a lot of work, actually. Yeah. And I think that's therein lies the key. If you don't have time... Don't mm-hmm. bother, kind of thing, um, and that's my opinion, not no one else's, because um, it is a lot of work and it's a good mm-hmm. cause. Yeah, um, one of the best. But you know what they say, and it, it's true, and I'm realizing it, is that what it, what you put into Freemasonry is what you'll get out of it. If you don't give it much time, if you don't give it much effort, you're you're not going to get a lot out of it. And if you put a bunch of effort and a bunch of work into it, you'll get a lot out of it. And even just in the, you know, learning the different, the ritual and, and stuff like that. Um, like I put a lot of effort into mine and to being able to go through parts of the ceremony and do it well, you know, and, and make it an experience for the person that's going through, man, it's, it's so much more enjoyable. And I was like, man, if I just, this one gentleman, I'm just not going to say his name or anything like that, but. Um, he was a master probably a couple of years before me and he just doesn't put any effort into it. And we have some of the ceremonies we go through where like, I'll do a whole big spiel and then he does a whole bunch of stuff, basically kind of repeating what I just said to the candidate. And it's like, he never remembers anything. And I'm like, literally, dude, I just said this for you like two minutes ago. And but, you know, I look at his experience and his role in, in the lodge and he's, you can tell he's every time he's like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. I did so bad. And it, I'm like, oh, no, that's fine. You're not going to say that. But it's kind of true. It's like, yeah, you, you did. <laughs> like, you you don't put the work in. You don't memorize this stuff. You don't study this stuff. And then my experience is like, you know, every time the whole, everybody's like, I can't believe I haven't seen it done that well before. And it's like, absolutely word for word perfect good job and you know i get way more out of that because i put more into it and he doesn't give it any effort and he, <laughs> he dreads any time there's a there's any ceremony that he has to be involved in because he's like oh great and so even just on that level it's true you know whatever you put in just like anything in life you know <laughs> if you work hard you try hard give a lot of effort you're gonna get more out of it than the person who's kind of like well, i guess i'll do this you know but. Yeah, um, in our monthly newsletter for the state, there's sometimes, quite often, uh, 
le- lessons in there. You know, a story, an article that's a lesson. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, last month or this month was um, if you want to be a Mason, and even if you already are, join to become a Mason, not a member. Mm-hmm. And it, if you read it, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I get that. Because it's more than just um, showing up once a month for a meeting. Mm-hmm. It's um, a journey. Mm-hmm. And it is because um, most people think they have a firm grasp and understanding of morality. But do you? Because it's like an onion. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of layers there. Once you think that, you know, like, um, I don't, you know, thou shalt not kill. That's a moral lesson, you know, in a God's edict. But is it that cut and dry? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a bad analogy, but still, um, when you think you got, just when you think you got morality down pat, you know, life happens. Mm-hmm. Um, throws you that curveball, and the farther into um, the Masonic journey you get, I think as long as you're doing it for the right reasons and studying the right things, that's what you're learning is mm. these moral lessons. And, mm-hmm. and you might learn the exact same lesson, Ten different ways, and you don't know it until you're at the end. You're like, "Oh, crap." Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a cool part. The more you go, the more it's like, "Oh, this is so interesting." You can see how it all makes sense, and, and like I've said, like to new candidates, it's like this stuff is all very deliberate. And the more you go through it, the more it all kind of like, oh, I see, I understand. You see the whole thing coming together and it's not some willy nilly like, hey, you know, that that's the thing that has kind of amazed me is that how intelligent and like cohesive it all is. And, oh, that makes sense now. And then you learn something else like, oh, now that just brought everything else together even more. And it just becomes this very interesting package you know it's like you get a little bit of it here and it's like okay this on its own is really good and then you get more and you see how they go together it's like oh no kidding that's cool it's fun even even just for the inquisitive mind it's phenomenal yeah i mean and uh, keep harping on morality but that's not the only um lesson you learn Mm -hmm. Uh, you know all kinds of liberal arts stuff in there yeah, we should change this podcast, <laughs> Mason Soup. <laughs> yeah, no, he's moving oh, along, yeah. move along. Yeah, um, that was fun though. Yeah, I like, you know, I'm passionate about it, so mm-hmm. it keeps coming, and it doesn't just um, mesh with one part of your life, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Any plans for the weekend? Tree. 
Oh, yes. <laughs> Dealing with the tree. Yeah, I don't want to, but, you know. Got to do it, hey? Yep. Right on. You know me, I did a little shearing of some trees yesterday, just kind of clean them up. It's funny, when you have a bunch of people over, you look at your yard differently. <laughs> when you're getting ready for people, it's like, oh, we should, these shrubs here need to be trimmed up with a little edger and blah, 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 blah. I picked up a Milwaukee 18-volt shrub trimmer. I've never had one of those before. They're kind of cool. But man, they make me nervous. Like, yeah, like I, I was up the on the ladder. One. Yeah, yeah. I used an electric one for years, but then I was like, you know, how good could a battery-operated one be? Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. In a lot of ways, it's more powerful. but Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, I have used once a professional landscaper-level steel version of it. Mm-hmm. Holy, that's a that's a whole different. That's like a battlefield weapon from the medieval times. Is that a battery one? Oh no, a gas two thing. stroke. Oh wow, yeah. That's but crazy. still, I think the battery one has a little bit more, like, torque, yep. or you know, cutting the big, especially these rose bushes we got. Mm. Yeah, my dad went out and bought steel, a bunch of steel cordless tools. Like a hedge trimmer, uh, chainsaw, leaf blower. They are nice, but man, they're expensive. Like, they, are, they love their name. Yeah, they do. <laughs> I know, because he had it here in last summer. Like, every time we mow the lawn, I always like to blow off the driveway. Don't like lawn clippings on the asphalt. So I'm like, last year, my dad's like, oh, yeah, just use this. And, and then he took it out to his hangar. And I'm like, I don't have anything. So I was looking, I was like, oh, I wonder what it cost to buy steel because I'd used it. And I, you know, several times I'm like, this thing's phenomenal. I'm like, oh yeah, I, I think I'll just get a Milwaukee version. <laughs> That's more in my snack bracket. Yeah. I think, I think the, like the blower and a battery and a charger was like $1,200. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. But they are nice. Yes, they are they nice. Are. That's for sure. I know my uh, chainsaw I bought two years ago was... Uh, had a lot of zeros in it, but mm. it works. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, like so my dad has a steel hedge trimmer. I think he's got two of the big batteries. I don't know what volt they are or whatever, but for their system. And then he had this little, I don't know, it's some no-name brand with a small battery, a little hedge trimmer. And the kind where you, you plug it in and there's like a real thin little cord that you would be for like a, a radio or something or some little appliance. And he's like, oh, oh I'm going to save this for later. Put that up on the shelf. I'm like, <laughs> okay, that's the type of thing. You just take it to the Salvation Army or, you know, there's a leave it and take it in Strathmore. Here's like, you have a steel and I don't think you're ever going to pick this one up again. They're both the same size. The, this cheap junkie one weighs weight. It just looks like something that would struggle, you know? I'm like, oh man, just get, why, why? This is literally taking up real estate in your life. And I don't think it's going to bring you value. Not one time. Get rid of it. But, oh, I just got Arlo notification. My dad's back. So that's cool. Make some more progress, hopefully. But I should probably get to work myself soon. Yeah. By that time. Yep. I got to 
got a couple things to do. I got a whole bunch of knives that are sitting at the 95% mark. <laughs> I just need to finish them up. Just need well, that to means they're up. already 25% better than most of the final products on Instagram. Yeah. I don't know about that, but you know, it's, it's so hard to like when my dad's in there. Cause like, he's like, Oh, I just need to bring the trailer in here. And he, he brings a trailer and takes a trailer. It is like when he's here, I basically plan on saying, okay, you know what? I'm going to futz with stuff, but it, this is not going to be a productive time for me. Like I was messing with the gate try, like all week long, trying to get that thing to work better. Haven't had success. I've been doing this and that and everything, but oh, hopefully next week will be just a, Pitter patter, let's get at her and get some knife stuff done. Can't even like do any filming. Can't really because uh, it's just you know what. I'm happy that it's getting done. You know, but when there's like forklifts zooming around and trailers coming in and out and this and that, it's like you know what. Let's just do some stuff we put off. You know, a little organizing here, a little cleaning up that there, and stuff that doesn't really matter if you have to put it down for a second. And especially when you buy something from family like you did, and then they come around. They think they still own it. They act like they still own it anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it will always be like that. So, yeah. like, on, on the shop, it's the main part of the shop is 50 by 100, and it's split in half, and then they built an office addition onto it, and that's where Steph works. And then behind that was a – it's basically just cold storage, and they had a big paint booth in there, and so – well, my dad's he's moving everything into that room there, and that's going to be all his stuff. But I'm, I'm like, like all this stuff, again, it's stuff he's not going to use. He's taking a whole bunch of stuff. So he's got two airplane hangers, right? He's got one in Bicycle, which is about half an hour from here, one in Mabel Lake, BC. And so he's kind of setting up a little shop in his one that's close to here. Like he's taking a drill press and and all, all his tools and stuff are going out to this close one. And I'm like, yeah, do that, you know? But then he's got all these like knack, you know, the big job site boxes. They were tools that guys used to install airport baggage conveyors. So, you know, really nice, well-equipped, like bunch of corded angle grinders, a bunch of corded hand drills, stuff that we used to do conveyors with like 20 years ago. Now nobody uses that because everything's cordless. And I wish I was a installer with the tools that we have today because... And cordless stuff just didn't cut it back then, you know, but he's got these, these boxes full of these tools. I'm like, you're never going to use this. You have cordless tools for what you need. Why take this to your shop and just tell the guys, open it up and say, Hey, if you guys want to take this stuff home for your garage, take it, you know, and just get rid of it. And then you could sell that, that job site box for a hundred bucks. You'd make a tradesman's day and you buy yourself a nice dinner, you know, nope, just got to pile it in the room and let it. I don't know. I just don't understand it. I don't get it. But ultimately, it's not mine. But but it's like you're saying, with that stuff there, I, I'm hoping he it's going to be stuff that he doesn't really ever need. Otherwise, it's just going to be like, just show up. Oh, because he's got to come into the shop to get to that back room, you know? And it's just, it's kind of a pain. But... I feel like uh, I feel like I shouldn't be petty too, you know. Oh no, I wasn't saying that. You know, to be, no, it's I just do funny. feel it is. Yeah, it's not a huge inconvenience, but it's just like a little. Uh, uh. But I know what you call first world person problems. that bought their house from their uh, parents. 
but like 20 years ago, 25 mm-hmm. years ago, something. And uh, recently they were like, oh, we're going to, they were just doing something and the family was together. Um, they all live pretty much in the same town anyway, but um, they're like, oh, yeah, we're um, just put the deposit down. We're having the kitchen remodeled. And it completely, utterly, um, one, ruined the night because it, you know, appalled the parents that, oh, my God, I can't believe you're tearing out the kitchen we put in in 1947. Yeah. Really? Really? You know, lime green tile, that's so in now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I know we've done some changes here, and I'm like, I don't know what my parents are going to think. But we've done some pretty heavy landscape, like ripped out some things that have been overgrown. And then Steph, like they had the oak around the fireplace and the oak mantle. And it's all like that 90s oak. And Steph just painted it all black and it looks phenomenal. And she painted over the black slate tiles. And it like it looks completely different. It's like, wow, this totally, it looks like a modern living room now with very, for little, little money. You know, we were going to do like a concrete surround but I just don't have time for that right now. But I don't know because it looks better. But then I don't know if my my mom, when she sees me, like, why would you do that? You know what I mean? Like, you know how much we paid for that? Because I agree it was pretty expensive. But yeah, fun, fun. Oh, I just got a text too. I guess Isaiah has a test. So I record in, the, in our basement suite down here. And uh, this is where they like to do their tests. So. I guess Isaiah has a test in 15 minutes he needs to Uh-oh. set up for. Yep. Gotta go. Kicking me out of my own home, Todd. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah, well, we're about now. It's about right? that time. Yeah, that's right. Right on. Well, thanks, Todd. It's another good show. And uh, thanks to our listening audience, all three of you that might still be here. Yeah. Love uh, you guys. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I find it weird how people are like Jimmy DeRisa is like, love you, love you. I'm like, I don't know. It's weird. I, I don't use love. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. I used to joke He's, all the time because you know guys like this. I said, that's the easiest lie for any man to tell. I love you. <laughs> what? It's funny. Uh, right on. Well, I guess we'll catch y'all on the next one. See y'all later. Bye-bye.